Hey, I'm Randy. One day while cleaning out the closet of my old bedroom, I stumbled upon a three-part time capsule I'd made in 1998 when I turned 13. I meticulously detailed every part of my life, from an itemized list of school crushes to a report on the top five trends that year. Obviously, Tamagotchi, hair mascara, and blow-up chairs were among them. It's hilariously delusional and heartwarming as fuck. So join me as I look back at all the things that made growing up in the 90s so rad. And together we'll unbox Capsule 98. Welcome back to another episode of Capsule 98, the podcast that goes inside my brain when I was 13. And first of all, I'd like to remind you all to subscribe, rate, and review. If you haven't done that, please be my friend on Apple Podcasts. And today we are joined with a very special guest for anybody who grew up in the 80s, 90s, or 2000s in Canada and beyond, actually. (laughs) We have the lovely Jeannie Becker, icon of fashion, icon of television, icon of Canada. Welcome. Well, that's something (laughs) to live up to. Okay, this better be a good interview. Uh, Yeah, I have been around for a long time. Well, thank you for joining us. (laughs) Well, you're so welcome. A pleasure to be here. And yeah, so as I said before, Jeannie is a TV personality, she's an editor, she's a columnist, she's a designer, she's an entrepreneur. I'm not a designer. You're not a designer. No, 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 no. I have my own clothing line, which I don't have anymore, Um, but I am not, I never designed, I edited. Oh, edited. Okay, excuse me. She's she's a fashion editor and a fashion clothing editor. Yes. So I guess we could say that. Is that a title? Fashion clothing editor? Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Style editor. I'm style editor at uh, the shopping channel too. So yeah, that's one of my official titles. Yeah. I have too much respect for designers after I saw, you know, what they had to go through for all those years. Woo. Um, to ever take that kind of title lightly. So I definitely don't have the chops. Okay, fair. That's fair. (laughs) But I mean, regardless of not being a designer, you are, I think, I don't think anybody would dispute this. I think you're the most recognizable name in fashion in Canada, which I don't know how you feel about that, but I think it's true. Well, uh, yeah, you'd think that the times are, they are a changing or should be a changing, but I've kind of been dancing as fast as I can to keep myself out there and keep myself visible, which helps. But I got a lot of media exposure back in the day, uh, and that counted for a lot. I mean, fashion television was an institution. You know, people would gather around, you know, the TV sets back in the day, and, you know, starting in 1985, that show ran for 27 years, Mm -hmm. and they would watch it religiously every Saturday night. Actually, in this uh, market, it ran Saturday nights and Sunday nights, in case you missed it or in case you wanted to watch it twice. And uh, it aired in 130 countries around the world. So a lot of people grew up with that as their first window onto the world of fashion. Exactly. So that's, yeah, I mean, that's chiefly why we're here. Uh, You know, I could talk about the Shopping Network as long as you wanted to, (laughs) as as long as you wanted to. But I think we are, yeah, we are here to talk about fashion television, as you said, institution of fashion in Canada and beyond. And yeah, so Jeannie was the host of FT from its beginning in 1985, also when I was created, uh, until 2012. So I'm the same age as fashion television. Wow. Uh, until 2012 when you guys uh, went off the air, which was a shock and a, a sad moment mm-hmm. for everybody. So yeah, I mean, let's start it off. 
so many designers, like as we were just saying, so many designers and people in fashion, like, like I said, so many people in Canada grew up watching that show. So I, to me, it was just a given that it was always on Saturday, Sunday. I specifically remember Sunday for sure. Uh, watching it every weekend, especially as I discovered a passion for fashion. Um, and as cheesy as that slogan was, it was the slogan of Ryerson <laughs> that I had to say over and over again when I started there. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, so many people watched it, but you hear over and over and over again, designers and fashion personalities and people who, who are successful in the industry cite you all the time as being an early, an early influence. How do you feel when you hear that? Well, I mean, uh, very flattered and humbled. I, I, I hate to say I came along at the right time, but it, you know, the, the stars aligned at a very mm. particular time. And it was great. This whole scene was just starting to bubble up. No one had yet captured fashion as entertainment for television. Mm. We were the first show to do that. Uh, and, you know, it was the it was that moment when the, the rock stars uh, started hanging out with the designers and there was this big mashup of various media. And, uh, you know, fashion television was born. And I never thought of myself as, a, you know, a fashion journalist, not at all. I mean, journalist was kind of a dirty word. I was a reporter, an entertainment reporter. And I came from the music background because I started hosting a show called The New Music back in 1979, which was pre-MTV with uh, J.D. Roberts. And then we did that um, well into the 80s. You know, 1983, I was there for the launch of Much Music, which was very exciting. But then by about 1985, I thought, you know, if I have to interview Rod Stewart once more, I'm going to lose it. You know, I mean, enough is enough. <laughs> I, it was we've time all to, said that. <laughs> <laughs> it was time to broaden my horizons. And and fashion seemed like the next obvious big thing. You know, there was uh, Madonna hanging out with Jean-Paul Gaultier, and there was uh, Versace hanging out with Elton John. And it just seemed like, wow, this is a great arena. These mm-hmm. fashion shows are going to, you know, replace what rock concerts uh, were. And uh, to some degree, they kind of did. I mean, for me, anyway, they became incredibly interesting uh, mm. venues. And wow, it was just a, a great form of entertainment. And to, to capture that on television, nobody was doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't understand why. It seemed like a no-brainer to us. You know, it was something that moved. It was something ultimately colorful and sexy. Mm-hmm. And it was about the human condition and spirit and attitude. So it made for great TV. Yeah. I mean, they're like these mini Broadway shows essentially that happen in five minutes. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes the plot lines are a little feeble, but yeah, but the, the eye candy is uh, unbeatable. <laughs> I guess you don't need a big plot for five minutes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we're going to get to this, but I want to, I want to go back to the beginning. So what were you, I mean, this podcast is all about me as a kid and all about, you know, the, the silly things we do when we're kids. What was, what were you like as a kid? I was very shy, but I was also, um, very quick to strut my stuff, which seems like, you know, that doesn't really quite uh, jive, does it? A bit of a paradox, but seriously, I was shy, but I had this incredible yen to be on stage. Like I just wanted to be a performer. I always wanted to be on TV, uh, that, and I was destined to, I think, just 
have a TV show eventually because that's what I wished for on my birthday cake every year, my own TV wow. show. Yeah, like I really, really wanted to be. And then I got a little bit, you know, loftier, you know, as I, I got a bit older and more sophisticated and I wanted to be just a great actress. And I, I wanted to be like, you know, the next uh, Sarah Bernhard. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to be on the stage and I went and studied acting in New York and I, uh, I actually studied acting as a kid. Actually, 50 years ago this year, <laughs> I got my first job in the business. 1968, I started a, a, a recurring role on a sitcom called Toby at the CBC, which was like a shot in the dark for me. I just heard about these open auditions and I showed up and I guess I was kind of cute and they gave me a part. And uh, that was quite a joy. So I got my union card, I got an agent, and I was a professional actress by the time I was 16. Wow. Uh, so that was, yeah, 50 years ago this year. Uh, but I... Also, as I got more and more serious about acting, decided that, no, I, you know, I really wanted to learn an exacting technique. I didn't want to just be getting parts because someone liked the sound of my voice or the shape of my nose or the size of my mouth. I mean, I, I really wanted to, to prove that I, I could master something. So I became totally enamored with the art of mime. I was going to say, and I have this I image of you. I have like an image <laughs> permanently like planted in my mind of you as a, as a mime. Yes, <laughs> but I do exactly. remember what that was. I definitely was a mime. I went to studied in Paris with the old man that taught Marcel Marceau. And he was also actually this uh, guy, Etienne de Creux, had taught David Bowie. Jessica Lang was also oh, wow. a, a student at the school at the time in a more advanced class because, of course, she was a little older than me. But yeah, I moved to Paris in 1973 to study mime, was there for about a year, uh, came back, uh, you know, decided I didn't want to starve in a garret. So I thought, hmm, I, I better go back to school. So I went back to university to study more theater. And then I was in love with a guy who was going off to Newfoundland to do his uh, postgraduate work in folklore at Memorial University. And uh, he asked me to go with him. So I went. 1975, we ran off to Newfoundland. And I was the only mime artist in the province. And wouldn't you know that I got a job at the CBC radio station. And uh, so, yeah, that, that was a Newfie joke in itself. Um, wonderfully so. I mean, God, great people. Loved Newfoundland. Three of the best years of my life. Really had a blast being a mime on the radio. I actually, of course, did much more than just mime. I was <laughs> talking by that point and uh, did it for three years. Moved back to Toronto in 1978. Got a job at Chum Radio, which was that great top 40 radio station that I grew up, you know, listening to that under the covers at night. Like, that was my childhood. I was a chum bug. And I was the good news girl on Chum Radio. Serendipitously, it was the year that Chum Radio bought this funky cable TV station called City TV. Mm -hmm. And uh, someone had the idea to cross-promote the radio personalities on TV. So they dragged me, the good news girl, and J.D. Roberts, uh, who was their boss jock at the time. Now he's John Roberts of CBS News. Oh, no, actually, he, he's beyond that now. He's at Fox News, the senior White House, House correspondent there. Um, but anyway, we went over to host this uh, groundbreaking show called The New Music, mm -hmm. and uh, the rest is kind of pop history. And so how did fashion television come around? I mean, you, you said that you guys recognized the, you know, the opportunity to talk about fashion. Hadn't yeah, been there before. because, I, you know, I, I'd been doing the rock and roll thing. We started in 1979, you know, did that. By 19, 
you know, 85, I was, you know, after six years of that steady diet of rock and roll, I was ready to do something else. And, you know, I, I had gone through the whole punk thing and, you know, smoky tour buses and being spat upon at, you know, <laughs> raves. And I mean, it, it was great. I had been living the life. It was pretty cool. Very cool. But enough is enough. And I was kind of thinking that, you know, these uh, vinyl jeans I was wearing were getting a little too tight and I should graduate into something more age appropriate or something that maybe I could grow old or older in. And fashion seemed that to me, Interesting. You know, to seem more appropriate. Interesting that you would choose to grow old in an, in a, in an industry that favors eternal youth. Well, that's a whole other podcast. I have a lot to say about that. I don't know. You know, yes, they used to say that fashion, you know, eats its young and, you know, is youth obsessed. But I think the times they have definitely changed. I think there's a real, who are the best dressed women at the recent Oscars? The ones over 70, True. if you ask me. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, there's a great reverence now um, for we older women. Because um, we have an incredible frame of reference that, right. you know, and in fashion, especially, you need that frame of reference. I mean, I, I, I just get such a kick out of seeing something come down the runway, you know, today in 2018, that I distinctly remember seeing coming down the runway, like in 1992, or, right. you know, I mean, fashion definitely repeats itself. And the longer you've been around... You know, the, the hipper you are, I think. I mean, look, Diana Vreeland didn't start editing Vogue magazine until she was 60, mm -hmm. you know, and she was so revolutionary. So I anyway. mean, it's funny. It's funny you say that. I mean, yeah, again, like this is another podcast episode, but I'm just curious because, you know, a lot of, you know, my opinion about fashion, I agree with you. My, my opinion about fashion is the more you know and the more you can contextualize things that come down the runway, the better your understanding is and the better your input is on, you know, where it can go next. But, Absolutely. you know, nowadays it seems like on Instagram and, you know, everything is an image a second and, you know, you, nothing, everything is without context. And I guess there's some, benefit to that as well but I just I yeah I mean I agree with you I'm just curious about kind of where that's going and it seems like context and education is fading and even the appreciation for education is sort of fading because that is something that people see as like you know pearly gates and you know inaccessible but I think fashion with a capital F is fading you know I mean yeah, I think that, yeah, exactly. that is fashion anymore and it's just it's permeated into every you know nook and cranny of our lives and it's part of lifestyle and it, it really goes beyond and, um, you know, what we see coming down runways or what, you know, even the, the bloggers are posing in, you know, on, on their Instagram uh, feeds. It really has to do with uh, the way we see the world. And to me, it's always been like a great kind of microcosm of life at large. So, uh, you know, For anyway, sure. blah, blah, blah. It's all very <laughs> heady stuff. Um, I'm just damn proud to have survived that scene, Absolutely. especially at that particular time. You know, you talk about the 90s and what was going on mm -hmm. in fashion. I mean, that was like, that was fireworks time, that totally electric era in fashion. I mean, that decade in particular, um, we saw so many changes and we saw the designers really become the rock stars of the era and the rise of the supermodels mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, we saw, it, we were coming out of a great age of kind of opulence and excess with the uh, 80s, by the end of the 80s, and then into the 90s, all of a sudden, the minimalism and fashion as a uniform, and we played around with all these concepts, but but again, you know, sort of thankfully got out of that too, mm -hmm. and just uh, ended up being in a, a wonderful time where it was all about individual self-expression, uh, which mm -hmm. is really, you know, 
where we're at today, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. a good thing. I mean, that's true. It's funny because I remember at the time, I remember when I was a kid, I remember having this thought that there I, th- I think I was like in grade six or something. And I remember thinking like, maybe, maybe it was when I was starting to understand fashion. And I remember thinking like all of these decades before the nineties have a particular style, like the eighties, the seventies, the sixties, very distinct, the fifties for sure. And I remember living in the nineties thinking like, well, the nineties have no style, but maybe that means no, not that they have no style. It means that they have no particular, you know, claim to fame. But at the same time, I guess the individuality and the fact that there were all these styles is the nineties. Yeah. The eclecticism I think yeah. is what it's really uh, all about. And I think it's because of by the time the 90s came along, um, there was so much imagery coming at us, so fast and furious, it, especially by the, the later 90s, you know, towards the end of the 90s, when the internet was just, you mm. know, really on fire finally, because it took a long time. Mm. I had the very first fashion site on the internet. What? Can you believe that? I am it? not kidding you. It was called At Fashion. It was the year was 1994. Oh my and God. MCI came to me out of the US, that big, you know, uh, communications giant. And they said there aren't any women using the internet. We really need to get women to use the internet. We think we watch fashion television, you know, it was on uh, on VH1 in the States at that point, and we think it's really great, and we would like you to be the cyber host of a fashion website. And I'm I'm thinking, like, what's a website? What's, a, <laughs> what's the, uh, the internet? I didn't really know anything about it. And they sent some guys over to my house, and they hooked me up, like, to the net, the World Wide Web, and all of a sudden, I realized, like, wow, this is a very cool thing. I started surfing the net, finding, but, you know, there were very many interesting lifestyle sites at the time, and like I say, no one was putting fashion on, and we started this little fashion site where I would, you know, be interviewing designers anyway, because I'd been interviewing them for uh, my fashion television show, and we would, you know, take those transcriptions, and we would, you know, put them up there, and I would profile models, and we would talk about trends, and yeah, I still have the printouts somewhere, I should drag them out, worthy of uh, framing for sure, Were they the printouts? Were they the printouts that had like the, you know, the, the side, the the holes on the side and the, you know, you, you know, when you used to print out from the, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Something like that. Yeah. That, that sounds, uh, that sounds familiar, but definitely I, I am proud to say not that it did much good. And then, uh, you know, um, a a company called News Corps that was owned by Rupert Murdoch bought it out and, and just sort of folded it Uh into nothing and it just disappeared. But it was the first fashion talk, fashion coverage on the internet. I mean, you really do have the dream of everybody's job. Like, you know, for, for any girl growing up in, in, you know, in the nineties, the eighties and nineties, like you are, you had everything. Yeah, I know. They all wanted my job and I would say, <laughs> get your own job. No one, you know, I thought People that job about myself. <laughs> People used to tell me that, oh, well, you're going to be the next Jeannie Becker. And I was ah. like, well, uh, Jeannie Becker's doing Jeannie Becker already. <laughs> okay. You were a smart kid. Thank you for respecting that. But yeah. That sort of pissed me off a little bit when I yeah. used to hear that, you know, the, uh, yeah, m- my daughter's the next Jeannie Becker. I went, what? Well, I, I mean, ahead. I guess you could say it's a compliment or small mindedness. Yeah, but it's, it's so true. I mean, p- trails have to be blazed it's not about like following in people's footsteps I think that's like really not good especially because there has been such an advancement you know like in the, the technology is just getting so sophisticated and so out there why aren't we doing more and mm-hmm. it really does drive me a little crazy when people come up to me and I know they mean it in the nicest way but because we're all nostalgic about it you know bring back fashion television what you know that it, that's over mm. fashion isn't 
what it used to be. The media isn't what it used to be. Television certainly isn't what it used to be. And coverage, I mean, you, you can sit in the front row now with your little telephone and just, uh, I still call it a telephone, <laughs> with your little iPhone and just, you know, shoot what's coming down the runway and yeah. put it on there instantaneously. Like, you don't need a show like fashion television coming on every week to dissect mm. it for you and show it to you. You can do that, you know, instantaneously. I so. mean, it was great though. But it was. I mean, but even, it was. Even, I mean, but it was great. Even today, I was just watching clips and I was just getting a kick out of anything. But I mean, yeah. So I mean, back to the '90s because we're here to talk about the '90s. So yeah, I mean, getting back to what we were talking. Ta- hold on, actually, sorry. First things first. Let's just talk about Madonna. What? Tell me everything. <laughs> well, then, <laughs> just tell me any, any, I and every experience. You know, it's the. Isn't that funny? Because the first episode of fashion television. That we did. It wasn't actually the. It was the first. Whence um, we decided that fashion television had got over the pilot stage. We were going to do it as a series. Um, in 1985, I was in uh, New York, and we did a story about Bet- Betsy Johnson. And uh, she started talking to me about Madonna, like Madonna's my idea of a true blue girl, and I love Madonna. And you know, I was like Madonna. I did, and then. I remember she played at Maple Leaf Gardens shortly thereafter, and I went to, you know, see her, and I I don't know, I was standing too close to the stage or something. I just thought she sort of, I was ready to diss her. I don't know why. I just thought, like, this this girl, again, what's an- so great about her? She's like, <laughs> again, another thing, like, too close to the stage to Madonna. Like, not something that I'm, that I'm mad yeah, about. I remember, like, looking up and thinking, like, she had fat legs or something. <laughs> how low of me to how base to even say that of course she didn't but whatever it was I was hell-bent on not liking her because the rap on her in those days was that she wasn't really that talented as a performer she was a brilliant marketing Mm -hmm. woman and that's why you know she had created this incredible uh iconic personality and and this brilliant image uh you know and there is a great talent uh, in that for sure but you know so I was ready to to take that point of view um so I you know and then of course you know you couldn't deny that she was just having such an influence and I think uh, Desperately Seeking Susan was the turning point for me what, I don't know what year that was I can't that's remember still right 80s. now but that was still 80s yeah. wow okay so but by the time I saw that movie I thought you know okay there's something there it's something about her style I like it I really love it now when did she do Body of Evidence that is mm, that's that, not that must I, be 90s pretty sure that's 90s I think that must be 90s. I know Truth or Dare is like 91 so okay. well Body of Evidence was not a good I'm sorry maybe it's film. 83 Not at all. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was not. But anyway, Mm -hmm. it was like very terrible, I thought. And I went to New York to do a junket. um, And, you know, because great, I was going to get my big four minutes Mm -hmm. with Madonna. You know, those terrible movie junkets. No offense to the movie studios, but, you know. I I understand. Demeaning, totally (laughs) demeaning. But, you know, hey, I was going to meet Madonna. So I remember uh, being at Anna Sui's shop and um, looking for just the right thing to wear to interview Madonna. What would I wear? And Anna showed me this amazing pair of black velvet bell bottoms, but like bell bottoms, because that was like, you know, it was always t- every 20 years totally. fashion repeated itself. So if the bell bottoms were big in the 70s, they became really big again in the 90s. And I had this glorious pair of Anna Sui black velvet bell bottoms that Anna uh. herself sold me. And I knew that Madonna was a big Anna Sui fan, you know, so, the, so I felt, you know, okay, I'm sort of 
going to get up yes. close and personal with her because I'm wearing the designer that she likes. And isn't it great? So I put on these fabulous, dramatic black velvet, uh, you know, they're, they're silky, shimmery velvet. I mean, they're incredible. I still have them, actually. I should have worn them today. Um, um, anyway, I walk into the little hotel room where we're doing the interviews with Madonna. And it's like a crowded, cramped little space. And there's all these crews around. And there's Madonna, like, holding court in her little chair, looking very, un very unhappy because the movie had just premiered the night before. Mm. And people were, like, practically booing mm. at the screen. Like, people, it was awful. And I knew she felt bad about it. And I, I sort of felt bad for her on some levels. But on, you know, who it's Madonna, so who cares? I, I, that sounds so horrible of me. But, you know, I just thought, she's a big girl. She can probably take it. And the minute I sat down to try and break the ice, because she was just, you know, kind of looking a little pained and not really looking at me, I said, oh, wow, she was wearing the exact same pants <laughs> as me. And I thought, wow, this is so cool. We're wearing the exact same pants. Oh, no, I'm sorry. And scared. she looked down and she went, are they? And she was wearing those same Anna Sweet velvet big black bell bottoms. And I went, yes, they're Anna Sweet. I just got mine. And, you know, that's so cool. And I thought, well, that's like a girlfriend bonding yes. moment if you ever... And it was not, because she definitely was not happy that I was wearing the same. She just like totally, you know, brushed it aside and, you know, looked away and didn't look happy at all. And it made me feel terrible. So I just, you know, anyway, launched into the interview with her. And she was okay in the interview. Uh -huh. I mean, it was okay, but it wasn't like she was going to, you know, spill her guts or anything. But I thought it was funny that we were both wearing the exact same Oh, my pants. God. I mean, I definitely, I mean, I have never worn the same thing as a celebrity, but I, I have definitely had experiences of dressing in like some sort of designer outfit to like get them to notice. And it, li it literally had like zero impact, like absolutely zero impact. <laughs> Sometimes it were, I remember wearing some fabulous boho chic dress that I bought uh, in LA when I went to interview Stevie Nicks and she was great and she really complimented me on my dress and I just, you know, God, what a rock star compliment yeah, 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 you're yeah. wearing. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. So that felt pretty good. But yeah, in the case of Madonna, she Not really great, looked down her nose one. at me and that was the end of it. I don't think I've worn those black bell <laughs> bottoms since. I'll take them. <laughs> <laughs> so you never, okay, so any other experiences with her, like a Gulche or? Well, I mean, you know, she did show up at uh, many a Gulche show and it was always like waiting for Madonna because the show right. could never start till Madonna. So you sort of started to resent her because she was invariably right. very late. Uh, um, you know, and then at that point, I, it wasn't as though I could even run up to her with my microphone. And I was pretty fearless. Like, I would elmo my way through all kinds of crowds to I've get to. i you know, <laughs> Exactly. But it, in Madonna's case, I mean, there was always, like, so much security around her. I don't think I ever grabbed her at a fashion show mm -hmm. so yeah so the 90s to me are like you know like I said before it's sort of a product of me growing up at that time so to me I think I really came only I came up uh, you know of real consciousness towards the end of the 90s like you know the time capsules from 98 mm. so to me the 90s is like the, what sticks in my mind I mean I did experience other periods through my siblings but you know <laughs> what really sticks in my mind is sort of that neon the like you know the shimmery PVC like the really kind of like kitschy stuff towards the end the 70s yeah. in the 90s and that yeah and that was towards the end of this so that whole when Prada was coming out with that the high-tech fabrications mm -hmm. and those the uniforms and those that very austere look you know when everyone was sort of backing off the uh, opulence of the it was sort the of the 80s. second phase of, yeah, the, you, the, of the minimalism then we started to come out yeah. of it after a few seasons so that's what you're saying that's when you jumped on the yeah, fashion bandwagon. Yeah, but but that was what was so interesting about the 80s because there was that disparity from the beginning of the 80s, the early 80s till the 
you know, the, uh, sorry, 90s, 90s the beginning yeah. of the 90s till the end of the 90s. And then, uh, yeah, what about the whole supermodel craze? That was something yeah. that was very uh, hot and happening all through the 90s. We saw some of these girls that just, wow, you know, the, with the way Cindy Crawford, you know, be, they referred to her as a big boned girl. Can right. you believe it? I mean, she, she was considered like, whoa, now that's playing around with body type. She was a <laughs> right. big girl, really. But, you know, that I, I, I vividly remember that. And just so, you know, that holy triumvirate of uh, Christy Turlington and uh, Naomi. Naomi and Linda Evangelista, of course, you know, mm-hmm. with Linda being a Canadian. So, yes. you know, that, wow, we got to really wave... Uh, our flag a, a lot then it, it was an incredible time a very heady time with those supermodels and then they you know sort of got too big for their britches or so some designers mm-hmm. thought and uh, then tried to kind of squash them I remember one episode now I wish I remember what year it was it might have been the 90s the fashion cafe opened that they had they got this business deal Naomi and I guess Linda was in on it I'm sure Christy was and Claudia Schiffer Maybe a few more were going to open in name only. I'm sure they got paid a bundle to just, you know, sort of front it. A fashion cafe in New York. And uh, it was like supermodeldom was at its height. And it was just it was such a frenzy. And I remember going down there to uh, to cover the opening of the fashion cafe. And it was just such a mob scene. And it, was, it turned kind of ugly because people were going too mental. And I just thought, okay, this is definitely the beginning of the end. And sure wow. enough, yeah, it was just too much. Enough is enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was going to ask, like, what <clears throat> what sticks out? I guess, I mean, I guess that would be the answer. What sticks out the most to you about the decade, uh, whether it's a style or or a phenomenon like that? Yeah, a lot of the yeah the the, the way things got so hypey. I mean, the wonderfulness too. <laughs> the wonderfulness. The, the incredible exhilaration that you mm-hmm. feel at some of these shows. And the shows, like, I think of Todd Oldham shows in those early days with um, mm, Elle McPherson, you know, and these gals that were, they, they were so powerful. You know, they were like gladiator girls or something, just like gorgeous glamazons that uh, just went down the runway and people were like screaming and yelling and, it was just the best, best time. It was just mm-hmm. a real unbridled, you know, passion of, 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 of creation. And, and it just felt like anything was possible. They're very heady days. Mm-hmm. It was a wonderful, wonderful time. And just so many great uh, photographers at the time that uh, came up. I mean, David LaChapelle, I think I uh, started, you know, going to some of his photo shoots in those days and just m- imaginations were just running rampant. And, mm. uh, you know, and by, like you say, the end of the 90s, there was this, all of a sudden when the internet took off, it was like, whoa, like we were bombarded with all this imagery. So everything became highly visual. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden it, That's it when was you, all about the image. Yeah, I mean, I guess that they talk about that effect in music you know, with music groups and, you know, how it became so much about the image just as much about the, uh, the as the music. So yes, I guess in fashion even videos. more. Yeah, yeah. It beca- everyone became very self-conscious and in in, in a good way, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and everybody started becoming just a little more style savvy because there was so much uh, fashion information around mm-hmm. suddenly. I mean, it used to be that you had to go to a newsstand and pick up a copy of Vogue magazine if you wanted to know what, what happened, the latest yeah. styles were, what was going on. But, you know, 
by the 90s. Wow, like it, that information was so ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. And it was also the era of you know the the just as it just it just as it was of, of the big models. It was also of the personality designers. You know, like the Isaac Mizrahi and John Galliano and Mark Jacobs and those people who were larger than life. Calvin Klein, obviously. Yeah. Uh, the queen and yeah and mm. you were and yeah you, you were around for the beginning of oh, so many of those people's and, careers. yeah in the early days of their careers too and there was a there was a kind of purity about them you know before you know big business came and really mm. kind of sucked the life out of fashion you know I remember Isabella Blow coming up to me at the you know and again I'm sorry I don't have my dates uh, down here at the the first Givenchy that show that McQueen did 95 and, I know, think came up to me and said, I'm just, you know, that, well, that was just painful. And I went, well, what do you mean? She goes, I'm telling you, you know, that's it. That big business has totally sucked the life out of fashion and it's just, it's killed all the artistry and it's good. You know, it's just, just the beginning of the end now and, uh, you know, and, and sure enough, she was kind of right. I mean, she was kind of right, except for the fact that there were so many years of McQueen to come of yeah. all, you know, his genius. Yeah, of course there were, but she really saw it, you know, at, yeah. at its inception at such a, a wonderful stage and she just sort of could see where it was headed mm-hmm. and the kind of uh, pressure that a lot of these big labels that were snatching up these uh, cool young designers mm-hmm. the kind of pressure that uh, they were put under all of a sudden I mean you know look at what happened to poor Galliano mm-hmm. at Dior it was just like too much and all of a sudden there were more there was more than just two collections a year there was like six collections a year eight collections yes. a year more 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 I mean still the only I mean the most Who's the only person who's come out alive from that, Carl? Like, you know, that that amount of collection and that amount of pressure. Yeah, and, he, and Carl, who's also designing for Fendi and also yeah. for his own KL Carl like Lagerfeld. now? Ageless. I mean, I know. it's he crazy. Doesn't, he doesn't say exactly, but yeah, I think he's... Uh, he's got to be. He's up there. He's up there. But, you know... He's wonderful. I know. I know. Oh, God bless him. And I hope he lives, <laughs> you know, as they say in Yiddish, till 120. Yes. You know, they always say that. Like, um, yeah, I hope he li- and beyond, uh, because the day he goes, that's going to be a really sad day for mm-hmm. fashion. I mean, he just sent another brilliant uh, show Should down the fashion, runway for yeah. fall, winter 2018. But back to the 90s. Yeah. Meeting Carl back in the 90s. Oh, yeah. That, well, I really got to know him uh really well in 1989 uh just before the birth of, of a, I guess we can't talk about that because it was 89 well, we <laughs> can just, talk about just it. before the birth of uh, my youngest daughter Joey who was born in uh in the fall of 89 but uh, that was incredible to go to Carl Lagerfeld's uh, studio I was like seven months pre- no about seven and a half months pregnant feeling you know very large and like kind of a beached whale in maternity clothes mm. that was another thing the 90s all of a sudden it was very cool to show off your baby bum right that was the year you know in those years that like spandex came into full play right fashion everyone's wearing skin tight clothes yeah and uh but i was still like you know at the tail end of the 80s we were still trying to cover up that mm-hmm. big belly and, uh, you know, getting to sit at Karl Lagerfeld's uh, couture studio, and, and he actually gave me a Chanel dress. Wow. That sort of, it wasn't really a maternity dress, but it was, it was cut in a way that it flattered me, and it fit me, and I was just so proud of this incredible Karl Lagerfeld, you know, a Chanel dress that I got to wear for the interview, and then he thought I looked so great that he gifted it to me. Wow. You know, and when you're, like, you know, that pregnant and feeling like that, 
blimpy, or at least I did at the time. That was a pretty cool thing to, mm-hmm. to get your first. That was my first real bona fide designer, French designer wow. dress anyway. And you talk about the early days of, of the show and sort of the, the designers that you got to meet. Like you, you know, at the same time you, you were around for the beginning of people's careers, but you also were around early enough to sort of catch the old guard. Like, you know. Oh, was, yeah. Well, the American designers, like the Jeffrey Beans and the Bill Blasses. I mean, exactly. wow, those people were just... The, the level of uh, creativity and just wisdom and class. And I mean, really, you know. even even like Alexander Lieberman, like from Vogue. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, he was wonderful. Yeah. I know even one of the first uh, photography interviews that I did was with Horst. Like, that's insane. I mean, Horst, he's like definitely one for the history books. I can't believe he was still around. He actually came to Toronto for a, a mini show at the Jane Corkin Gallery, and I got to interview mm. him. And, uh, you know, all the great times with Scavulo, Francesco Scavulo, another great uh, photographic master. Yeah, I got a chance to really mm-hmm. hang out with some cool people, that was for sure. What, what about, uh, let's just talk about Versace also. Um, yeah. <laughs> Did you ever interview him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Several times. Wow. The first time uh, in, and it was in the 90s. I can't remember exactly what year now. It would be 93. Uh, we went to um, uh, we went to Milan to interview him at his palazzo. This is before he came to America, mm. even before he made a splash here. And I was just so impressed with him. What a beautiful man! Really, uh, a gentle, uh, poetic kind of soul. Very, um, very shy, um, but very. Very friendly, very sweet, beautiful, beautiful guy, beautiful guy. I yeah, I knew he was uh, destined for greatness. I mean, mm. I could, besides the fact that he was just designing such fabulous uh, things, he he really just had a great, solid uh, sense about him. Like very, very intelligent. Um, and a very loving person. And what do you think about the Versace sort of coming back into the into the culture now again? Mm. You know, like I mean, in, in a sense, he never really went away because Versace has been prominent on the fashion scene. But now, with you know the Versace show and the retrospective that Donatella did last year, what do you think about what, why why is it that they there's such fascination with that? I guess it really is the golden age of, of '90s fashion. Yeah, true. That that uh, that's part of it. There's something about the attitude of. Um, Versace, just uh, in terms of the image of that label that seems right for the times. Mm-hmm. We're living in an opulent yes. kind of time, a time of female empowerment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was very much about that, empowering his women uh, with these magnificent clothes, um, really being a little bit in your face, uh, and but with a great nod to classicism, um, and I think a lot of those values that Versace, you know, had and that just uh, his label smacked of are just very mm-hmm. au courant today. It just the time seems right. And what do you think about the 90s being back so much lately? Like, you know, we talk about this a lot that, you know, n- nostalgia and fashion is a given and every 20 years something comes back. But the 90s really has staying power, which my theory is because just the sophistication of the Internet now. And, and people who are my age are really just going to town with, you know, as much as they can. But you see, I think this is it. It's the people of your age and like my daughter's mm-hmm. age. You know, you're you're that generation where you're... Um, you will, everyone loves nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to get nostalgic. No matter you know when yes, you totally. grow up, there's there's always something about looking back to when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. For me, it was like 
50s and and the 60s, you know, my growing up. So for you, if you were born in, what year were you born? 85. Fashion television's birthday. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, yeah, you said that. (laughs) You said that. How quickly I forget. So for you, it is going to be the late 80s, 90s, late 90s. You know, when you're coming of age, when you're remembering things, maybe, you know, even, I don't know, the, the early knots. I don't know if that's yeah. a, a big thing for you. But but we're all always looking back, and especially because the people of your age are the people that are really taking over the world now, yes. for better or worse. <laughs> you better do a good job of it. You know, it, it's, your, it's your time to really celebrate that era of innocence, really, because right. it was a time of innocence still for you, you know, before you found out how things really work. That's very true. I mean, but I would, but I will say though that, I mean, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe it's just because I'm in it, uh, so intensely, but I really do feel like the nineties does, has had staying power. Like I can remember it being coming back. I mean, even just from a fashion perspective, it, it came back on the scene as early as 2012 and we're still talking about it and it's still like, and a six year run and it doesn't really seem like it's going away. I mean, yeah, like fashion's definitely going towards that early 2000s look now, but it's to me, that's the longest uh, nostalgic period has been around in such a prominent way and on television and there's constantly these reboots and all these people are coming back and it just, I don't know, to me, it seems like it's, it's staying a little bit longer. Yeah, maybe, but, it, but, it definitely, uh, you know, comes and goes, ebbs and flows, yeah, yeah, waxes and wanes, and these periods. You know, look at the, you know, the Dior collection that was just sent out for fall winter, mm-hmm. uh, twenty eighteen was was filled with the sentiments 60s, from the sixties. Yeah. You know, so once again, the sixties are going to start mm-hmm. being celebrated in that way, and I and I think they are too because of now with this whole uh, protest consciousness yeah. of you know female empowerment, and we're all looking back to you know the first time that movement reared its head, and so you know yeah, I mean that's what's so great about uh, about time and, mm-hmm. and the lessons learned, and you know we always uh, harken back to a, a time of innocence as as a time that we just really want to hold on to for as mm-hmm. long as we possibly mm-hmm. can, you know, mm-hmm. but when you think of like the nineties and when the, Oh, I mean, I'm just thinking about this is nothing to do with fashion, but like the food, like what was I feeding my kids? Oh God, like <laughs> pop tarts and pizza pockets and all that stuff. That's poisonous. Yeah, totally. Oh, I hope you don't have any of those companies as your sponsors, but really I, I in those days, like what, you know, and now I'm thinking, ah, oh, but they survived it and lived to tell the tale. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's definitely funny when you are speaking about like, yeah, '90s food. Of course, that's like, yeah, I've got some. There's part of some part of my brain that's like, you know, attached to. For some reason, I have this obsession with Taco Bell, and it's probably because <laughs> it's such a '90s food. I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely nostalgic for like Orbits. You know that pop that used to have crap in it. Like, yeah. Ah. Disgust, yeah, there was some disgusting. bad stuff right. going around. Bad stuff. <laughs> but now, and now it's like this whole new consciousness. Some things we'll never really go back to, but it's still still fun to think about them mm-hmm. and remember the time that we uh, we just loved it so much. So one of the things I remember so much about fashion television, more more than any particular interview, I just remember sort of this intensity of you covering fashion and sort of felt very, you know frontline-esque mm. in a fashion way, which really yeah. didn't exist previously. Well, Brad Goreski uh, happily talks about that in his uh, book, how oh, he really? used to watch me, you know, he grew up in a little town, Port Perry, you know, and there I was, he said it was like I was reporting from the war trenches or something, well, you know, yeah. going into combat with my little Mike Flash and I was going to get that story and it was that level of intensity. I mean, the, the energy, uh, and I was energized by that scene. It was, it was like everything to me. It had the personalities that were larger than life. 
life. It, it had the, the visuals. It had the theater, mm -hmm. the theatrics, the theater. You know, as I told you, that was, you know, my original plan was to be a great actor. And I wanted to, you know, really embrace the stage. And there it was, just right, right before my eyes. It was just too magical for words and there was so much hype mm -hmm. surrounding that scene and this was before it became democratized um so there was a great kind of intrigue to it it wasn't that it didn't feel common mm -hmm. it, it felt like and if you didn't have a backstage pass you weren't going to get in and right. you weren't going to see and I was the only way you know I would bring you these stories from backstage but if it wasn't for my camera rolling you wouldn't see what was going mm -hmm. on and that felt really special and mm -hmm. great uh, it was a great privilege to be able to to bring uh, everybody all that stuff. But now it's just, you know, it's just, it's everywhere. It's so ubiquitous. Yes. So, you know, that's okay. It's, you know, it's not like I keep thinking the good old days, the good old days. Right, but, right. Uh, yeah, I did. I definitely loved it. And, you know, interestingly, um, a couple of years ago, I went to Paris um, to do a few of the couture shows just as a guest, just mm -hmm. as a guest. I wasn't writing about it. I wasn't, certainly didn't have a camera with me. I just... Wanted to go and observe it, you know, from, you know, the other Not side. Not having to work. And uh, it was so creepy to me. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Really? Well, you know, I saw them all. Uh, I was at a Goche show. And, of course, every season, bless her heart, Catherine Deneuve, who's fabulous, but, you know, shows up at, you know, in the front row of Goche and all the reporters yes. run over and try to get a soundbite from her and she gives everybody the same soundbite you know whatever it is that she says whatever question they ask I'm sure she's just has her little wrap down and I just thought like ah you know you just get to a point in your life like been there done that well you, know, you one certainly too many have. times yeah and so I, I'm glad I don't have to cover fashion in that way mm -hmm. for it did get very demeaning towards the end to have I, to run after these you know like Lindsay Lohan or whoever I was you know trying to you know, I score remember my 20 seconds with boy. because I remember towards the <laughs> early 2000s when the fashion you know like we're talking about the 90s becoming a really you know that was the time when fashion was explosive but even more so the 2000s is when it became mass and yeah. it, like that's that's when I came, kind of graduated from high school and I remember even the time when even the time when I decided that I wanted to go to, to study fashion like that was just before when it sort of exploded that was just before all the reality shows and I remember the, sort of like people at my high school not thinking it was cool and then five years later like like, look where we are, you know, like that. And I remember that was around the time when fashion television became a channel, right? And there was that raw show where you guys had just like raw footage. Oh, yeah. And I remember cool. seeing, I remember being like, holy shit, like there was just so much on there that you, like, I'm happy that you let it go, but it was just like, yeah, demeaning. Like, yeah. I remember you oh, were yeah. chasing after the Olsen twins terrible. and it was like, just oh, <laughs> like, terrible. Jesus. But I mean, okay, here's a nineties <laughs> thing about the Olsen twins. It's a great story. Okay. The Olsons who had to have the row and who were like those chic girls and they're lovely really. So they were shooting a movie in, um, Muskoka. Um, like saying the parent trap baby or one of their one of these movies mm -hmm. that they did those cutesy movies i'm sure you know you would it takes two it. or something yeah like that. something yeah. like that one of these movies and they were shoot so the publicist for the movie this lovely woman prudence emery who i would work with because i was also covering movies for city tv for a really long time um knew that i had a cottage on this lake and uh, uh the lake that the deerhurst inn was on you know it's on penn lake in muskoka and she said you know the the Olsen twins are coming to shoot a movie on, 
in Muskoka and they're going to be staying on Penn Lake and they're going to be staying at the Deerhurst Inn. Like, do you think that, is there any way that your girls would want to meet them? Oh my I went, God. are you kidding me? Like I have my little girls at the time, I say they were like three and five or something because it was like 1994. Uh, it was 1995 or something. And I thought, oh, yeah, like, absolutely. That would be so cool. So we actually got to meet. We went over to the deer. We have this beautiful old wooden Muskoka boat, a 1939 uh, wooden boat. And we drove it over to the Deerhurst Inn, picked up the Olsen twins and their father and their nanny. <laughs> and uh, we took them back to our cottage and we went tubing with them. Oh the my girls God. went tubing with what? them. I mean, it was unbelievable. <sighs> That my dog, and but of course I was dying to take a picture, but I in those days we didn't take pictures as readily as we do uh-huh. now. And I thought, no, no, it's that wouldn't be cool. Not I cool. didn't. But actually, a, a girlfriend of mine was visiting from Montreal. I think she snuck a picture of them. But they were actually tubing with my girls, the Olsen twins. So then fast forward, like all these years later, and they were, and they were actually peeing together. I, I remember <laughs> at one point I looked in the bathroom at the cottage, and like here is like. Becky and Joey and the, you know, the Mary Kate and Ashley are like taking a pee together. So years <laughs> later, they get called the most powerful women in Hollywood. And I said to Becky and Joey, I said, can you believe you peed with the most powerful women in Hollywood? And then, of course, I started seeing them when they created their clothing line and they were mm-hmm. like, you know, out, out and about. And I would like try to go up to them in the, you know, when they're at the front row of the Chanel show or something, yes. trying to have a few words with them. And they just kind of ignored me. And I felt Terrible. Did you ever I say? I thought, don't you know who I am? I mean, I didn't say that, but <laughs> no, I just thought they should remember me. You know, I took them tubing. <laughs> and uh, so then they came, finally came to Toronto. They came to Holt Renfrew with a trunk show of their gorgeous line. And I got a decent one-on-one interview with right. them. And I said, hey, hi, do you remember me, don't you? I, we, I took you tubing. And they said, of course we remember you. I said, but why didn't you ever talk to me? Oh. At the, all those Chanel shows Very I used to see call. you at, you always dissed me. They went, no, no, we're just so shy and we're so we hate talking to the press so much that we just oh, really please. tuned everything out but we knew we, we were you were out there and we felt really bad but we just had to diss you <laughs> oh wow that is crazy. So that's I, my Olsen twins I didn't story. know I was gonna get an Olsen twin <laughs> peeing story today <laughs> so what is yeah I mean you're talking about sort of that you know getting getting rebuffed what what are some other Ugh. i mean I, I heard you got trampled on for uh prince charles is that correct prince charles no i read did i read that wrong prince yeah. somebody maybe prince. just prince probably just probably prince. just prince just prince, <laughs> <laughs> a prince yes a prince, prince. Of I, I totally remember prince showing up at that uh, was it a versace show and he came and he had slave emblazoned on his forehead. I don't remember what year that was, but, you know, sort of being there trying to shove my microphone into his face. Of course, you know, he didn't want to talk, but that's okay, you know. And I hate it when they pretend to talk on the phone. So that I remember once I stood in front of Lenny Kravitz for like about 40 minutes at the beginning of a show, like waiting for a show to start, just try, and he was like on his phone. I thought, okay, but I'm standing right in front of him, so he's going to hang up his phone any minute now and give me like a lousy 10-second soundbite. I mean, what does it cost? And, of course, and he never did. He was just constantly pretending to be on the phone. I'm sure Paris Hilton pulled that on me too. Like, that's cheap. Well, she had phone sponsorships. She had Uh, to. But I'm telling you, it is a demeaning, it was demeaning. All those kids that thought you wanted to be me, trust me, you didn't. 
because I really went through the fire. Yeah, I, mean. I, I lived through hell. And I mean, it was bad. It was terribly demeaning. It was totally demoralizing and dehumanizing. And, but I did it, like running after people, yeah. like, right, you know, running after, like, Lindsay Lohan, almost like getting killed in a crush. You know, the season that she designed the Ungaro collection. Oh, my was such God. a disaster. Yes. Uh, you know, the hype, you just get so carried away with the hype of the moment that you're just, you know, it's do or die. And for yes. me, it was like, I just always felt, if I don't get my five, even if it was like five seconds of someone Something. telling me to F off, you know, I th- <laughs> at least I got them. You know, I would I would have to leave that show so unsatisfied. I, I would feel like I'd failed my team. Mm-hmm. I failed my crew. I failed my producer. I failed my fans. <laughs> right. What was your favorite interview of all time? Ah. Uh, 90 specific, but also too hard to say, but you know, that would really be going back to, let's say probably the nineties, because I think it was, it was nineties that Andy Summers came out with his, uh, his photography book, you know, Andy Summers mm-hmm. of the police. Mm-hmm. So it gave me an excuse to interview him for fashion television because we covered photographers. Right. And I had originally interviewed Andy Summers for the new music in a bathtub. Um, <laughs> and that was all very that. cute and sort of creepy, but it was okay. <laughs> but I thought when he came back all these years later, um, maybe I could interview him, uh, you know, in, in a, a bathtub, bathtub again. <laughs> like, as a joke, I suggested that. And he thought it was a brilliant idea. So we actually got into the bathtub in his room at the Windsor Arms Hotel, ordered Cosmopolitans, and he lit up a big fat joint and started and sat. And I was, like, wearing a leopard skin bikini. Like, it was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> leopard print, actually. I know I'm, I'm really exaggerating here. But uh, here was Andy in a bubble bath you know, waxing poetic about art and life and all that stuff. And he had lit little votive candles all around the bathtub um, just to give it atmosphere. And Mm -hmm. my cameraman's rolling on Mm -hmm. this whole thing. And at one point, he just sort of tossed his head back and his hair caught on fire. And I just stood up, screamed, dropped the microphone. I mean, if you Google Andy Summers' hair on fire, I think it's still (laughs) on YouTube, you'll see what happened. It was amazing. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, I, I mean, I... I think we're I think we're coming towards the end of this oh. episode. I mean, I could talk forever. <laughs> I could talk forever. But I have a list in my time capsule okay. of uh, my favorite things uh, that I loved in the '90s, and there are a lot of things on that list that have nothing to do with the '90s. For some reason, I felt the need to include like zucchini casserole, which is not uh, distinctive to 1998, <laughs> or, or a major food group for that anybody would recognize, except if you've been to my break fast after Yom Kippur. Um, but <laughs> um, I want to know what is is one thing that would be on your list what is what is the thing you'd like to bring back from the 90s that hasn't been brought in the last five years food no a thing oh (laughs) anything what would I like to bring back from the 90s or what would have been in your time capsule as something you loved oh wow um I don't know I'm trying to think of like the cutest beanie baby that we had because we had (laughs) Actually, I think they're still in my basement. <laughs> you can maybe so probably make some money off one of those. Of those. <laughs> <laughs> probably one of those, because those were, you know, that was the great thing. I traveled the world in those days, and I had these little, you know, my girls were little girls in the 90s. And, you know, what can you bring a kid that's always going to make them happy and that's a no-brainer because it's quick to get, and you can get it just about anywhere. And it was like the Beanie Babies. Mm. So every Everywhere I went in the world, no matter, I'd always come back with the Beanie Babies. Like and I, uh, you know, I sort of love them too, yeah. 
Well, you get them at airports, of course. Sometimes they weren't always from the authentic, exotic shop there. I don't know. That's pretty lame. Beanie Babies. Ugh. The 90s. <laughs> I mean, I mean so great about the 90s? <laughs> Not Pop-Tarts and Beanie Babies. and You'd bring uh, back Pop-Tarts. Uh, yeah, maybe. I like uh, Pop-Tarts. Really? They were pretty gross. I don't <laughs> My kids wouldn't. Think a so. microwave pop pop tart? <laughs> Nothing better. I don't know. Oh, you know, I sort of used to like those corn dogs, frozen corn dogs. We ate a lot of those. I was at thinking my place like fashion too. trends, but corn oh, dogs fashion and trends and beanie babies ba- and pop tarts. Well, again, but they're all back. The fashion <laughs> yes, true. trends. Are, I can't true. think of one thing that isn't happening. You know, I mean, really, there is nothing. Shiny pastel PVC has yet to happen, and that is my favorite '90s trend. Oh really? I think Pastel, there's a lot PVC. of that. No, there. I think we, I've seen it. I, I I think it was there. All right. I think yeah. I think it, like Tom Ford used yeah, a bit of it. That's in probably your past probably collection. Right. I mean, they've <laughs> gone in every other crazy out there direction. Yeah, it's all back. That's sort of yeah. It's too bad that the '90s can't claim something so special that you know it could never be repeated again. Is there anything you would leave in the decade that you don't ever want to see again? Um. Well, I'll I'll be very philosophical about it, and I'll say my <laughs> own insecurities and oh, my yeah. own sense of, you know, um, that I wasn't, you know, good enough or fabulous enough or all that stuff. I went through some heavy personal times in the '90s, not to dredge that up, but uh, times when I just felt pretty horrible about myself. You mean being and, surrounded uh, by all that glamour and? Well, no, it wasn't so much that things that were going on in my personal okay, life. Okay, okay, you know. Um, so, you know, that was not a good time for me. The, the, the end of the nineties was really not a good time for me on a personal level, but I crawled out of that hole and damn it, I've never felt better. Damn it. I made it. <laughs> I feel like there's some line from like the prime of Miss Jean Brody that like applies here, but I can't remember. Or something like I will survive. I, yes, I, I will survive. Survived. <laughs> and then the final ending of my podcast is that I made a say, I made up a saying when I was in grade six and it's yet to become trendy and I'm trying to make it happen. It's it, and it goes, uh, get out of my facial act. So can you help me out and say it for me? Get out of my facial act. That's that. That's what the saying is. That's what the saying is. Yeah. You have to say it for with the, an accent. No, you can <laughs> just like say it. get out of my facial act. I mean, that works. <laughs> get out of my facial act. That sounds like uh, Andre Leontali or something. <laughs> Why that sound like Marcel Marceau? Yeah. It's all about a facial act <laughs> at the end of the day when words fail us. True. Well, thank you so much for joining us. A pleasure, Randy. That was lots of fun. Yeah. Okay, bye. Bye.